Hey there, welcome in. We've caught a case. I've got a good one for you today. Listen to this. Hi, I hope I have the right number. Is this CX Detectives? Well, if it is, I could use your help. My startup grew really fast at first, and then that seems to have tapered off. I'm wondering if I'm somehow missing opportunities to engage with new customers, or if I'm losing them and they're falling through the cracks. What do you think? I think we can help them. In fact, I know we can, especially with the assistance of my co-detective today, Dutta Satadit. Dutta is the chief customer officer at Active Campaign, and today we're solving the case of the missing customer because we are CX detectives, real cases solved. I'm Lisa Mishka Allen, VP and Global Head of Marketing at HGS. Let's get started. Dutta, I'm so glad you're here with me today, solving the case of the missing customer. Um, why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself, your background, how you got to where you are? Amazing. Uh, well, thank you so much for having me in this conversation. My first foray into actual understanding customer experience was at a startup that was doing a lot of surveys. The startup has since been brought up by Confirmit, but it gave me a very unique view into how people would believe they're doing a good job and how customers would perceive it. And since then, I've taken different roles across Google, where I helped build a lot of the customer success functions at Pinterest, sort of a similar story. And I ended up at Active Campaign because it was such a great company to be a part of, where there were just so many customers. We have over 180,000 small and medium businesses, and our goal is to help them grow so that they can engage their customers and you know close that gap that I talked about, what you believe you are doing well and how well you are actually delivering and making sure that that customer experience is good. That's so many customers. I can't wait to dig in to what you've learned. Tell us a little bit about Active Campaign. Absolutely. So Active Campaign is a customer experience automation company. And what we help our customers do, who are primarily these 180,000 small and medium businesses, we really help them understand that customer engagement is not just about acquisition. We, of course, want to do this basic things like help them reach out to their prospective customers and help them convert, but we also encourage them to use the power of automations, the power of sort of follow-ups, and making sure that they're actually engaging with the customer across their entire customer lifecycle. And if, you know, all of us, right, as consumers of businesses, um, you would want to be recognized after what the product. And that's what basically the product helps us do. And that's how we help our businesses grow. I love that. That's so awesome. Are your 180,000 customers focused in one type of business or like a vertical? Although I'm not sure small to medium-sized businesses use the terminology vertical. It's a little more enterprise. <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's, enterprise it's, it's enterprise term, but you're absolutely sort of uh, spot on. It's sort of uh, going in that direction. Actually, our customers are across all verticals. Globally, we are almost 50-50. So it's a lot of U.S.-based businesses as well as international business. So that gives us a very diverse mix of customers across industries, life cycles. Some of our businesses are, you know, created in the last five years. 
Some of them have been real functioning businesses and are transitioning into the more digital transformational zone at this point in time. Does a business ever sort of age out of needing you guys? <laughs> I think I think that's a great question. You know, it all depends, right? Every tool solves a certain problem. And our tools solve a certain focus in terms of helping you acquire customers, helping you engage customers, and converting them into advocates. Sometimes businesses literally change direction, right? Like change direction as in they're like, you know what, we're not going to really invest so much online. We're really going to double down only on our physical presence because as you know, a lot of businesses have been challenging challenges in getting people. So they want to maintain smaller footprint, make it super local and serve the people. And then they may or may not say like they want it, right? Um, in some cases, uh, they may choose to go in a very different direction where it's completely B2C, completely scaled, and they're not a small business anymore. Uh, so it depends, I would say, is the best way to put that answer. All right. Now that we know Duta is well qualified to handle the case, let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsor. And when we return, we'll dive into cracking this case. This podcast is brought to you by HGS. HGS has renewed its mission as it evolves as a comprehensive digital and CX services partner. HGS is an employer of choice for roles critical to transformation. Digital professionals, data analysts, automation experts, and CX ambassadors. We leverage our experience handling billions of interactions every year to keep pace with rapidly rising expectations in the digital CX economy. Learn more at hgs.cx. And we're back. Time to get into the case. Let's check in with our client to hear more about their customer experience and figure out how we can help them. How well do they actually know their customers? So I would at least say that we've found a market because we've been successful to a point. And from our data, we know that they're small to medium-sized e-commerce businesses. But it kind of stops there. We don't have a lot of insights into other details, so maybe you can help us there. Duda can definitely help there because he's Active Campaign's first chief customer officer. So finding out as much about their customers as possible has been top of mind for him. I love that my title has customer in it because that's truly the calling of the role in many ways. So I'll tell you what I did when I showed up here. My first instinct was to actually understand what is it that our customers <laughs> actually want? <laughs> right? like, like, the, Money. The, it's, it's all good, right? Like, you know, there's a strategy and a direction and we all got to grow. But like, what is the actual problem like these mm -hmm. people have, right? And when I talk to customers, certain things kind of really popped out. And I call them sort of like gaps. Gaps in the sense of things that customers want, things we do and we don't serve them right, or things they want and things we simply do not do, if that makes sense, right? So when I, when I started talking to people, one of the things that really started to pop is a lot of these customers basically said, listen, I want to automate. 
I want to engage with my customers. But you know what? I am just having a hard time understanding your platform. Super simple, right? I actually don't know how to use your platform. And I would ask them, like, why is it? And it boiled down to something super simple. Most SMBs are really, really time poor. Which is why they're looking to automate. Just because they're small, (laughs) right? Like just because they're small business, they're not simple things. And from that, there was another insight that sort of came in. It was like, I'm doing work. Like I would literally hear this. I put my kids to bed. I do work. And then I want to think about some future stuff. And it's 2 a.m., 3 a.m., and I'm working, and I have a question. So when I looked at some of these sort of problems, like I said, what are things we do and what are things we could do better at, one of the areas I want to redouble down and focus on was like, how do you help people in the time they need in the best possible way? And you know, like, everybody's how-to platform is now YouTube, (laughs) right? If you want to find out how Mm -hmm. to cook a good steak, you go to YouTube, right? So similarly, how to do something, an active campaign, you go to YouTube. So we really took the time to invest and we have actually have over 10,000 subscribers on YouTube with over 2 million views. And um, we really have work to make sure that we are putting out content on a regular cadence because that's one of the places, if you're thinking about like, have a question, I want to quickly find out, that's the place you go. The second thing what I found out was all the self-service in the world is not sufficient. And we were, you know, encouraging people to sign up for courses, et cetera. And one of the things we did was to start something called an accelerated onboarding. So we do over 20 sessions a week in five different languages because we have such an international mix of people, right? And um, we have found some great successes because it's a good scalable way for joining in, going on a learning journey together and sort of helping customers really understand how to get that product set up correctly. So those are a few things we have done to sort of capitalize on that insight of, I want information when I need it, or I really want to get set up, started up correctly. So do you have any challenge convincing your time poor customers to invest that time at the beginning, rather than trying to sort of do it on their own and then running into those issues? You know, it's interesting. I think we do our best to encourage one big thing we found out was pure encouragement wasn't as effective. What we did find out was a conversation we had with customers, a lot of times customers were like, just tell me what to do. It's like, don't give me more advice. Don't give me suggestions. Just tell me what to do. So we took it a little, literally a little bit. And what we did, which actually helped us a lot, was to basically go back and say, hey, listen, it's not optional to attend it. We are going to reserve spots for you. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? So we reserve the spot for you. We give you a slot. 
Now, if you don't like that slot, you can pick one of the other 20 slots, right? And we have definitely found that has been a good way for people to create a little bit of mutual accountability. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, I always call it something like a gym membership, right? At some point in time, you do have to drive to the gym, (laughs) right? Like the gym ain't going to come to you, right? But assuming you drive to the gym, you want to make sure you have the best experience. So there's a little Mm -hmm. bit of that sort of function that always goes on with this. We do not just suggest we actually reserve spots for them. Yeah. We follow up with them uh, using our own tool, actually. It's like, hey, you missed your session. Here are the next five slots available. Your slot is reserved in X, which we find out it, this slot did not work out. So we gave you a new slot. But, you know, we are not, we don't continuously do that because we don't want to be annoying. Uh, but we right. would do that type of a, a, like a personalized outreach and communication using our own dual active campaign. Uh, to do that. Okay, well, let's let's dig into kind of our case, which is, I think, what um, all of those kinds of things are looking to do, which is find those missing customers. And I actually think what you said earlier about like want, do, don't want maps to those customers, right? Like you want more customers, you want to do, you want to retain them and you don't want to lose them, but like, you're missing something on all of that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so true, so true, right? Let's take a second to hear from our client again. And this time, I want to know about how they're connecting and communicating with customers. Do they have employees solely dedicated to customer support? So our customers can reach us via email or by calling our customer service number. We do have limited staffing dedicated to customer support, and they're responsible for answering both emails and the phone. We try to have them get back-to-back customers as soon as possible, but sometimes there is a bit of a wait. Hmm. I wonder if there's just not enough support there for customers, and that's when they're losing them. What do you think, Tuta? How do you identify when you're losing people and then go and find them? So I, I think so. Here's some of the things that I hear from our customers, right? So like I said, we have a spectrum of customers, right? Yeah. What I would call our existing businesses who have very established businesses, but they're realizing as time is going on, customers are using more digital forms of communication than going through a digital transformation journey themselves. This is different than maybe like what a Walmart or a larger company does, but they're going through their own journey on that. For those type of customers, I hear sort of some very common themes about what is that missing customer look like. What they all want to do is some version of, hey, I have a website, somebody logs in, somebody reaches out, sends an email. I want to know more about X, right? I need a roofing proposal as an example. And then, you know, like nobody reaches back out to them because there's only one office manager and there's one marketing person. The marketing person has, God forbid, some problem or illness. I mean, these days, covid happens, right? Like it happens. So something happens, that person is out, there's one office manager, they literally forget to check the emails, right? And now you have potential customers sitting in the pipe who you could have called, done, et cetera, et cetera, and you're not doing that. So that's like one kind of like missing customer, the lack of manpower or lack of honestly established processes which exists in larger companies, which do not exist in most smaller companies because everybody's multiplexing with so many roles, things tend to fall through the cracks. 
Yeah. So how can technology pick up that piece? Absolutely. So one of the things like we encourage customers like these to do is to really say, hey, do you understand which channels your emails come from? And what do you want to do for each of these situations? So if it is says something like, I want a quote, then maybe that email doesn't even need to sit in your email box. It needs to be forwarded to the sales rep who will be more than happy to pick up the phone and call someone. Right. But somebody has got to make that. And instead of that person being the office manager who forwards it, you have an automation that forwards. And businesses in this category who use like our product, we do surveys and things like that to understand how much say this save almost 20 hours every month. So this is a lot of, I would say, repetitive stuff, stuff that we know if the condition is X, you do Y. If somebody is complaining about something, send it to Lisa. Because Lisa typically takes care of the customers and knows which parts to send or she'll call and find out, right? If it is this, send it to Holly. Like you can't know in your business what's going on. Or in some cases, if it's a larger business, you know which teams to go to. So that's like a very simple example of what an automation is. It's knowing what you want to do and who you want to send it to. Let's get into that more and talk automation. It's clear our clients having employees manage customer interactions very manually. How can we help them automate some of that? One of the things that happens with a lot of our, let's say, our e-commerce type customers, I think we have all done this at some point in time. I have done this many times. I'm in the process. I find this website. I like this. Then I'm forwarding. Like I'm, I'm saving some things. I'm putting them in my cart. And then lo and behold, a text comes in from a friend. And then I get on the texting thing. And then eventually, I kind of forget that the cart was there. Mm -hmm. Right? And then I remember yeah. I have to go back and do it. But then again, it's something... Slightly more important sort of is always uh, quotes, unquote, coming corner. in, yeah. right? <laughs> and, um, you know, sort of like funny, when we look at some of the data behind this, in 2021, we did a little bit of a study. So it's a little bit of a year old. We had customers had left over $76.4 million of revenue. Wow in their shopping carts that were not. So we're talking about like a left customer who we haven't recovered. That is the volume. Now, sometimes, you know, people are just putting stuff in cart and not going to come back. That happens too, right? right. It's just actually shopping wish list and not really a real thing. Yeah. But people who have used automation to remind people, hey, you have left this in the cart. Hey, you bought this earlier. You have this in the cart. There's a little bit of a coupon or whatever we see almost 14% recovery, yeah, which is 14% more dollars. Well, and I'm guilty of putting something in my cart and waiting for that coupon to come in. <laughs> I think we all are, just a little bit. <laughs> I'm like, look, if this company has this dialed, like, they'll find me. They'll find me. They'll, they'll, they'll do something. And so, so customers said that. That's a great point, right? You and I, we are on the other side of this as consumers. 
Mm-hmm. Our expectations have also evolved. Absolutely. So the company that doesn't do this is actually losing out in some ways. Because it's not like they're giving us a 50% discount. It's like $10 off. Yeah, 10%, you know, 5% whatever. 5% off, 10% yeah. off. It's not like they're giving us like, you know, 50% off their merchandise to like kind of get us to convert. It's very small amounts, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So I feel like it is almost a customer expectation. So as a business, if you're not employing these automation techniques, you're almost leaving customers on the table and as a consequence, money. On the table. Yeah. 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 Are there any like funny failures that you've seen in that kind of automation? Well, <laughs> I, I, I will say, I don't know about our customers, but I will tell a funny, a funny failure that me and my team have done. We were planning to reach out to uh, some of our dissatisfied customers. Okay. And um, we initially just wanted to reach out to, you know, a few hundred um, to sort of see how dissatisfied we're there. So we had an error in our selection criteria. And we reached out to a lot, lot more than we wanted. (laughs) (laughs) And then our goal was to actually listen to them. So so all of a sudden, what was supposed to be like a two-week project (laughs) ended up becoming a two-month project. Because all the all the feedback we got, and of course, you know, once you tell somebody, right, hey, we want to listen to your feedback. What are some of the challenges you are having? We want to help solve them. You kind of want to say, well, slots are up, buddy. Hayonara, right? Like the whole process. So it was meant to be this short thing that we did for like like, you know a couple of weeks, and we get some insights and we move on. And then we're like, nope. We got to finish the whole thing. And if it takes longer, it takes longer because that's what we committed to the customer. So, yeah. Oh, my so, so gosh. Stuff that's like too that funny. does happen, right? Sometimes, like, uh, but. Yeah. Well, what practice. did you learn from those, from that group? What did you learn? So, so one of the great <laughs> things about customers is, and this is part of, like, the customer experience automation journey. It's just not like, oh, gee, you bought us. Next time I have a promo, let me reach out to you. It's about understanding, are you seeing value in the product? Are you seeing success? What are some friction points? So on and so forth. One of the things we found out as an example, as we were talking through a lot of people, was a lot of people got started and they felt good. But then they started to struggle when the things became more complicated. Like they understood like the basic, like, if problems go to Lisa, but now they're like, well, now we have four shifts and we have a customer who looks like X and a Y. So now these business cases all of a sudden become more and more complicated. So one of the insights we got was as people matured in the platform, their use cases got more complicated. So we've been putting a lot of effort um, and actually, instead of just having the scale onboarding workshops, which is the one I talked about, we have also started to do similar things around finding those friction points and customizing outreaches and proactively reaching out to them and saying, hey, it seems like you have done these things. 
let's book you in for a session. We don't auto enroll you because we don't know if they want it or not. But more often than not, what we found with that proactive outreach somewhere in the middle, right? After they've been a customer with us for like about 60, 90, 120 days, they're like, yeah, this would be a good time to sort of like, you know, catch up. And a lot of them are very, very excited to talk because they have a better grasp of the platform. And they're truly trying to figure out how to use the platform in a different way. So that's been one of the insights and that's allowed us to change our engagement model from just waiting for responses, waiting for staff to identifying how can we reach out and be more proactive. Yeah. And again, that spirit of the missing customer, just because they're not talking to us doesn't mean everything is okay. Just check in and see if everything is okay. That's so smart because you're also building so much loyalty that way. Like you're looking after and saying, hey, I know you got this implemented. Is it working for you? And that makes me, the customer, feel like you really care about me and my success, right? Okay, let's go back to our client once more to see if there's anything else we can help them with. Yeah, I'm wondering if you have advice on how to hold on to current customers and even encourage them to be lifetime customers. One of the reasons customers don't stay with companies at a very fundamental level is if they don't see value in the product they are buying, especially if it's a subscription product. I mean, I I don't know about other people. Like for me, during the pandemic, I got a little bit, you know, subscription happy. (laughs) And um, I had every streaming platform Mm -hmm. like available. But eventually, now I don't. I only have a few. And ultimately, why did I not carry on with one of the other players? It was because... I really wasn't using them or I wasn't deriving enough value from that programming for me to want to pay that $5, $10, whatever the amount is every month. It's not like lots of money, but it's like like money that's going out the door, right? Well, exactly to your point, ABC emails me every Monday and is like, this is what's coming up this week. And I'm more likely to watch ABC, which I'm not even paying to stream, (laughs) than... Hulu, which doesn't email me every week. Exactly. So I didn't want to say, but Hulu was one of the ones that I had sort of like, (laughs) and it was a great platform. It has a lot of good things, but I was like, you know, but I'm getting all this other stuff. And I also have like this amount of time. It's not like I have like this much of time to sit and watch TV, right? So this is like a great example. Like in my mind, right? Product value is something that we really center ourselves on. And if Mm -hmm. you have product value, you will have bigger and bigger lifetime values. Now, when you think about that value that you're offering, some of it is not just the features you have, but exactly what you talked about, awareness of the feature you have. It's that email that you received that told you what that programming was, right? Yeah. It's the same thing. If you do a new release of a functionality, Are you talking about it? Are you creating the right engagement model? Are you proactively reaching out? Because turns out, one of the things a lot of our customers will tell us, oh, I bought you for this. I didn't even know you had Mm -hmm. that. Yeah. Right? So 
there is always an information asymmetry with what's available in the platform, what you can do. And when that asymmetry is too high, mm-hmm. you don't derive enough value. So we do everything possible to customize, engage in a scalable way. And then depending on where they are, convert them into an in-person interaction if they need it to help in that direction. And then, you know, we have done a lot of work also on our customer support, right? We have really bolstered our chat. We have bolstered the hours we have compared to what we had in the past so that people can get more stuff. And we're even looking to invest in more technologies at this point in time so that we have more real-time experiences because when you're looking at a technical product, any kind of product, right, you're pointing to things. Like I'm pointing to things (laughs) here and there. It's super hard to write it out in a chat. So we're we're soon going to be launching some of the things like screen sharing for our customers so that we can co-browse with them. Yeah. And we can see where the problem is and solve it quickly. So it's a combination of close the product information gaps as much as possible, convert some of them if they want to with these one-on-one engagements for us, and then be available when they need us and up-level that experience through technology so that you're not in that painful chat that is going on for like 40 minutes and you're trying to explain back and forth and you're going, I'm literally telling you what I know. If I knew anything differently, I would have. Versus you can point something at a screen and you can really like get over that kind of a hurdle. So those are the types of things we're trying to solve so that we have a greater sort of customer lifetime value. Because again, if people see value in the product, how they're using it, they're going to stay longer. Yeah. I mean, I love that it kind of all goes back to that continuously articulated product value. And so you're finding all these different touch points to continue to say, look how valuable this product is for you. These are new services you didn't know about. You didn't know it did this, whatever, but you're still continuously articulating, hey, we're doing this for you. And that lesson goes down to your customers as well and how they're treating their customers and you're giving them the tools to do that. <laughs> and these are things I would say, it's just not like something for active campaign. Any business, if you think yeah. about it, right? Any business down the road, um, I would even say um, something super simple as somebody who is doing, let's say, taxes. Super boring, yeah. one-time event, everybody has to sort of go through the year. Okay, but... A lot of tax consultants get replaced very quickly because it's treated as a super transactional business. There's such an opportunity out there to do regular follow-ups, to give tax planning advice for a business like that. There's so many things that they can do to help their customers manage their taxes better. We're talking in this time and place where new legislation has come out, around tax credits, around solar. Now, if you're like a tax professional, sending that information out proactively ultimately really shows the customer that you care. So these things that we are talking about at a high level, is just not applicable to someone like Active Campaign. It's actually applicable to any business. If you think about, are you thinking about your customers 
value proposition? Are you thinking about your customer success? What is their benefit from working with me? And when tax companies do that, like our data says, they see almost a 53% increase in their actual email engagement. And that is something interesting because tax is, I mean, I don't like doing my taxes. It's not exactly the easiest thing and the most fun thing to do. But even for something so boring, people who do it have the ability to get great engagement. Right. That's awesome. 53% is such an incredible number. Like, I don't know how anyone who sees that could be like, oh, I don't need to be creating automated ways to reach out to my customers, remind them of the value of my product service good. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think one of the things that that kind of work requires is that then you're not just talking about whoever's implementing the automation, but you're working with the marketing team, you're working with the customer success team, you're working with logistics operations. Do we have this in stock? You know, whatever. How do you at Active Campaign and in your past roles at even bigger organizations make sure that departments are collaborating, teams are working well together, everyone's aligned with the customer goals that you have? I think that's a real challenge in many companies. I think I've been rather lucky that in the last three companies, including Active Campaign, they've all been companies that have really been centered around a mission of making their customers successful in some form or the other. If you have that at the top line company mission, Of course, there's goal misalignment that can happen across the org, right? Everybody's trying to do their job. They have a certain amount of time. But I think having a good top-line mission and a leadership team that buys into that mission and vision, I think is super important. Because at the end of the day, if something is not happening, it's because it's not getting prioritized. So ultimately, I think a lot of the onus of making customers successful has to come from leadership. Leadership of the company is ultimately responsible for making that a priority. So I feel very lucky and supported that let's say when I bring up something like, hey, our customers are not able to use X, Y, and Z because of a limitation in the product that looks like PQR. When I have that conversation with our CTO, Tony, he is equally receptive and in saying, instead of saying, oh, no, no, it's as it was designed. But the way he shows up to that conversation is, tell me more. And that just fosters a better dialogue into how do we solve this problem for our customer. Maybe it's one, maybe it's multiple, maybe it's the full segment. I think that's super important in these situations. I think one of the things I feel like, whether you're a small company, large company, If you want to make customers a priority, a policy I have tried to always follow internally is don't point fingers at other people. Because you're not a different team. You're not a different company. You're all part of the same company. We're all trying to do the same thing. So putting down somebody doesn't solve any problem. So a lot of times when stuff goes wrong, it's like, well, this person did not do this or that department did not do that. And like, I think from a leadership perspective, my philosophy has been, sure, something may have been missed. It's not like we have done our job perfectly every single time. We have missed too. So let's not point fingers. Let's figure out 
why did we end up here? And is this a process problem? Like our process is fundamentally broken. We have to solve it. Is it a people problem? The people are not incentivized correctly to solve this problem. So that's the second thing, leadership, kind of focus, buy-in, how you show up. The second one is when stuff goes wrong on these things, because they always do with some sort, not like take the approach to like blame teams, people, et cetera, because that doesn't lead to people coming together and solving these problems for our customers. Do you see that in your customers? Some of our customers collaborate very well. And some of them really struggle. And I would say these principles sort of hold true. You know, it's a 30, 40% company and the CEO is personally reading customer feedback all the time. Okay? Mm-hmm. Yep. These guys, they figure it out. These yeah. guys, they figure it out always because the CEO himself is so tuned to what the customers are saying and he's asking everybody, hey, are we doing the right thing for the customer? This is what they're saying. So most companies we, yeah. these days, right, have some CSAT. Yeah. It's a restaurant. You go to a restaurant, you get a survey these days, right? You go to open table, you book a restaurant, you get a review. Yeah. Reviews, feedback is a very, maybe 10 years back, it wasn't as prevalent now. It's a very regular way of collecting feedback. So who is reading it? And the companies I find have the least amount of trouble going through this are the companies where the leadership is like, on top of the voice of the customer in May. Yeah, one of our CEO guests actually sits on and answers chats to the to like prospects, not mm-hmm. even not even customers mm-hmm. on the website. Like what's going on, right? And that empathy, it's not just the problem solving, it's the empathy that you have for the customer and the problem. And then some people really struggle because they don't have a true north and their department has been told, send more emails. <laughs> they're like sending more emails like like they're like struggling to like really articulate <laughs> the value of why they're sending the emails what is it getting they're like constantly having questions right is it the right amount of money we are spending on the budget right like so you see them kind of manifest in different sort of questions so it's a spectrum yeah honestly. yeah 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 well, so is there anything I've missed in asking you about the missing customer? <laughs> what am I missing about the missing customer? <laughs> I think, I think, Alyssa, you've been um, very thoughtful in asking these questions. I think if, we, if I kind of think about the questions and sort of summarize it, right? It's a little bit about like, where are these missing customers? right? What are the scenarios? And we talked a little bit about sort of like this lack of manpower, follow-up, kind of like flaw that happens, right? And we kind of talked a little bit about sort of like, hey, is the missing customer sort of people who we should be engaging and we are not? And we talked a little bit about our e-commerce type of an example, right? Hey, there are customers, but they kind of need a little bit of a push to sort of make them. That's lost opportunity. And then we sort of talked about, yeah, they're your customers, but is there an opportunity to really be present for their success? And we talked about the tax example and how relevant information does breed loyalty uh, down the road, does improve customer loyalty. So if I, if I kind of break it down, I think we've covered the three big pieces of where I have seen 
that missing customer. It's not just like somebody out there. It's these moments that matter. Well, Dutta has given us lots of food for thought today. Let's debrief. First, right from the beginning, create a sense of mutual accountability by running a course or an onboarding program for customers. Reserve spots for new customers so that they actually attend it. This will start them off with an understanding of how to make the most of your product or service. Second, put manpower behind customer support. Have people dedicated to specific areas of the customer experience so there's always someone to solve each issue. But support that with automation so easy fixes happen automatically and you're putting manpower to the more complex issues. Third, be proactive. Don't wait for customers to reach out to you. Check in with them midway through their customer journey and follow up with them if they don't complete a transaction. See if you can support them through the entire process and get them across the finish line. And finally, ensure that you're not only providing a high-value product, but that customers understand the full value of it, all the capabilities and benefits. Help them envision all that your business can do for them and how you can help them grow. Wow, thank you so much. This has been super helpful. And now I feel like I have some actual steps to take to find those missing customers. Thanks again. Okay, I think we've cracked the case. Let's head to the proverbial HGS pub and celebrate over a few cold ones. So I hear you love to travel and have been to over 60 countries. What is the best customer experience you've had in a country? So I'll tell you, like, I do like to travel, so... I had that moment of quotes and quotes revenge travel, right? Like I have to travel. Oh my like gosh. I don't care. I have to do this, right? <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Our revenge travel was to Turkey, uh, specifically Istanbul. It had been on my list for ever, right? Still on mine. And yep. and and, and, and I'll be talking about like a like a great customer experience, sort of anticipating and things like that, right? So mm-hmm. then the hotels have been now shut down for a while. Now, Turkey was open, but didn't have as many tourists, right? Like, And this is like a newer hotel we went to uh, in the older part of Istanbul. So one of the things in the older part of Istanbul is it's very hard to get to cabs. So they kind of drop you off in these like little points and you kind of like walk up. It's not that far. But it's like, you know, you're landing, it's late, and it's pure chaos, right? Like, it's pure chaos. So I walk onto the hotel, and it's a nice hotel and everything else, you know, you, the usual refreshment, yeah. things, et cetera. And so they asked me, hey, listen, Turkish hammams are, like, very popular, and uh, I don't know if you have booked an experience, if this is interesting or not. Um, but if you want, we have actually pre-reserved two slots in these two different places in the event you want to do it because of COVID, they have very few slots. Oh, wow. Right? Yeah. So it's very hard to get last minute, but we have, our hotel has already reserved a few. You can pick one of these, or if you want to do another time, that's totally cool. And I thought it was a very thoughtful gesture of yeah. anticipating what they might need. So let me kind of break this down, why it's so interesting. Actually, most people who go to Turkey are curious about the whole hammam thing and probably end up doing it one way or the other, right? So they know this is like a safe bet. 
Now, if you take cooking class or something like that, eh, somebody wants it, somebody doesn't want it, somebody likes it. So they have sort of done some research to figure out this probably will hit 80, 90% of the customer. Second, they realize it's COVID still, right? So there aren't enough slots, but we have some relationship with these people. We're sending them referral business, not complimentary, right? But the fact that I don't have to do anything after a long trip and also presenting it to me at that time. I'm tired. Yeah. It's a long flight. The sound of something like a spa sounds super enticing. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought it was like so well orchestrated. Uh-huh. The timing yeah. was right. The purpose was right. Uh, of course, I did sign up and I did do it. Right. Yeah. But I think that was like a great, like an example of how like, you check into so many places, you check out of so many places, but they had thought through that sequence and presented something that was very enticing. Yeah, I love that. So where else is on your bucket list? Where else is on my bucket list? Too many places, too many places. Um, But one of the places I'm very, very interested to visit because I've seen so many TikToks about it is Central Asia, specifically places like Uzbekistan. It just seems like so different and a place that I'm not familiar with, a lot of things I'm not familiar with. Actually, going to Turkey opened my eyes a lot about Central Asia. So it is one of my kind of like destinations that I want to go to. But, you know, so Turkey no plans didn't scratch yet. the itch. No plans yet, unfortunately. <laughs> yes, no plans Dang yet. it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I wish I could tell you, yay, I'm going there next month. Like, no, I'm not. <laughs> no, that'd be great. <laughs> Oh, well, thank you again for coming on the podcast, for uh, being my co-detective and helping me crack this case. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed the conversation and look forward to again, sort of like seeing you guys on some other forums. Thank you for listening to CX Detectives brought to you by HGS. If you liked what you heard today, tell a friend, a colleague, the Taluk or attendant at the Turkish Imam. And don't forget to rate, review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Next time there's a CX case to be solved, we'll be there. This podcast is brought to you by HGS, a global leader in optimizing the customer experience lifecycle, digital transformation, and business process management. HGS is helping its clients become more competitive every day. Learn more at hgs.cx.